Hello, dear ones. God has a blessing for you. In fact, God wants you to know him. The problem with many people who profess to believe in God is they know about God. They know details, they know data, they know facts, they may know histories, but they don't have a personal relationship with God. And there's a vast difference between knowing about someone and knowing them personally. In the ancient world, God's people, Judah, had forgotten about God. Well, it wasn't entirely their fault. There was a series of ungodly rulers and, and even more ungodly spiritual leaders, the priests and the Levites. And the prophet Isaiah wrote his book to remind these people of Judah who God is. You and I, we all need to understand the nature and the character of the God we profess to, to worship and to know. In fact, our whole nation needs to learn this lesson, and so do many of our churches. But I want to read to you now the text I've chosen. That's Isaiah 40, verses 25 to 31, the end of chapter 40 in the book of Isaiah. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls forth each of them by name because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired, tired rather, and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. God wants us to know him. God wants us to have a personal relationship with him. He doesn't want us to know trivia about him. He doesn't want us to know facts and figures from the Bible and years and dates and places and and things like that. He doesn't want to know. All those things are helpful, yes, but they're not the same as knowing him. Now, the first two points in Isaiah 40, 25 uh, to 26, or rather the first point, is that God is reaching out to us. He's reaching out. He calls out to you, and he calls out to me. I want to know you. And more importantly, I want you to know me. In fact, God knows all about us. He wants to have a relationship with. That's why he created man in the first place. That's why he created the nation of Israel through, through one man, Abraham. God called Abraham to follow him. And all through Abraham's life, God reached out to him. God blessed him. God was the one taking the initiative. Abraham did build a couple of altars here and there, 
but usually it was in response to God visiting him and and adding to the covenant uh, that God originally called Abraham into. An unconditional covenant where God promised, I will bless you. And this covenant, rather, and this relationship reaches its, its highlight in, in chapter 15 of Genesis, where Abraham is in his tent and he's bemoaning his life and things aren't working out the way he hoped and he, the child that God promised hadn't been born. And God calls to him. God approaches him and says, come outside. You know, it's always good when we get a perspective, a very big perspective. God says, look up. Just like uh, it says here in Isaiah for you, look, lift up your eyes and look to the heavens, Isaiah says. And God said the same thing to Abraham, look up and count the stars. That's how many descendants you're going to have. And it says in Genesis chapter 15, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. From that point on, Abraham was a new man because God had welcomed him into his kingdom. For for years, Abraham had been following God and, and responding to him, but at this point, at this moment, God made him righteous just because he trusted him. And dear friends, there's a time when it's uh, it's over for us knowing about God. There needs to become a time where we start a relationship with him. And uh, people I've met people at Bible college that didn't know God. They were interested in all the facts. They were interested in all the details. They were interested in just uh, developing knowledge. But God wants you to make a covenant with him, just like God made that covenant with Abraham. He wants you to commit your way to him, to put your entire faith in him, because Jesus Christ, God's only and peerless son, has opened the way. He's created a door in eternity. That door stands open, and God says, all you need to do is walk through that door. And all it takes is for you to say, Lord Jesus Christ, I believe you died for me. You gave your life for my sins. You paid the penalty for all all of my sins. And the door to heaven stands open. And I want to enter that door, Lord. I want to come in. In fact, I want you to come into my life and take control of me and make me the person, the man or the woman or the young person you want me to be. And I will follow you. Beloved, at that point, our relationship with God can start. Now, Isaiah uh, answered this question that God asked. God's first question to Judah is, what am I like? How can you possibly worship all these idols in your lives? And in those days, they were stone idols or metal idols or sometimes even glass made of pottery. And people had them in their homes. You know, there are plenty of us today, plenty of people in our churches, in our country, who worship idols made of metal and glass and stone and jewellery, all different kinds of idols. But there's no comparison between what these idols promise, which is nothing, they can't deliver anything, and what the Lord God promises. Isaiah said, says to Judah through his book, Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls them each by name. 
You know, there are millions and millions and millions of stars that we know about. And according to the word of God, God has given a name to every single one of them. He knows about every single star in the universe. And he knows about every single human being, including you. He knows you by name. And he wants you to know him. That's point one. The second point that Isaiah brings up is that there are barriers to knowing God. And he talks about, he writes about uh, Jacob's complaint. And, and Jacob's complaint is interesting to look at the words here. My way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by God. The word my starts both of these statements. That the land of Judah was complaining because their God, the God that they've been told about, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God who had led Israel uh, through the desert uh, and had established the kingdom of kingdom of Israel, then it became Israel and Judah, and then a succession of kings, some good, some bad. And these people would rather worship the idols of the land because these were idols they could control. But the everlasting God is, is a God you can't control. And, and he wasn't giving them what they wanted. Because the fact is, dear friends, when we receive Christ, when we take him into our hearts, we don't take him on our terms, we take him on his terms. Which means we trust him with developing our life and doing through us and in us the things he chooses. Our lives are no longer our own. We're to become his servants. Jesus Christ talked about what it means to serve God. He was a servant. And he said, I always do what the Father tells me to do. I don't even speak a word unless the Father tells me to speak it. Jesus was the ultimate servant of God. And he wants us to have a, a life serving him as well. So Isaiah addresses these problems that Israel, or rather Jacob, was complaining about. And he says to them, haven't you heard? Don't you know that the Lord is an everlasting God? He certainly created the ends of the earth and he won't even grow tired or weary. And his understanding, no one can fathom. This God that you have so much trouble knowing is the most wonderful person in existence. His, his understanding is beyond fathoming. He doesn't get tired or grow weary. He knows all our needs. He has plans for us. He, he doesn't have problems dealing with millions of people all at once. I remember sitting in a chapel uh, when I was at Bible school in America and there were some 500 students there along with me. Most of them were much younger than me, but there we were. And we were having a prayer chapel and we all broke into small groups and these 500 people began praying and seeking the face of God and bringing their petitions and intercessions before him all at once. And as I, as I was looking around this great big room and thinking to myself, isn't it wonderful? This is just one place with 500 people all seeking God at once. Yet he can separate each individual need, each individual prayer, and he cares deeply about each one of us. This was the complaint Jacob was making. He doesn't care. He doesn't know. 
He doesn't know the situation I'm facing. He doesn't know the plans I'd like to, to, to see come to fruition. Yes, he does. He knows everything about you. He knows all your hopes and your dreams. And when we come into God's kingdom and we know him personally, he doesn't bury those dreams. He doesn't forget about the things that we, we long for because he's given us many of these hopes and dreams himself. He wants us to fulfill not only the things that are dear to us, but the plans he has for each one of us. God has a plan for you. He wants to make your life significant. The first point in this passage, God wants us to know him, was he's reaching out to us. The second point was that there are certainly barriers to knowing God. And, and people put all kinds of barriers in God's path. But that never stops him. That never stops him pursuing us. You know, under Moses, Israel was led out into the wilderness for a very brief journey across the desert into the promised land. They spent 10 years at, at Mount Sinai, uh, hearing the word of God, getting his laws, building the tabernacle so that they could have a relationship with him. That's the whole point of the tabernacle and later the temple. And when it came to setting out, there was constant grumbling. They remembered the miracles that God had done in Egypt, the plagues that, that God had sent under Moses, and, and crossing the Red Sea. How could you possibly forget? Yeah, forget that. Yet these people were complaining and grumbling time after time after time, and then being disobedient to the point where God said, oh, that, I've had enough with you, but I will save a remnant, and the promises I made will now go to your children. How patient he was, how persistent. Time after time they threw up these barriers, and time after time God, often in answer to Moses' prayers, uh, blessed them, forgave them, and said, come on, let's keep going. That's the kind of God he's like, the kind of God who wants us to know him. Do you remember that lovely scene in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus asked his disciples, would they pray with him just for an hour? And he began to pray. Then he went to them and he found them asleep. Then he went and prayed again. And he came back and found them asleep again. The third time he prayed. And then when Jesus came across his sleepy, slumbering disciples, he said to them, that's enough, let's get going, get on your feet. In other words, that's all past the mistakes we make. Now I want you to come. Things are about to happen. He's a wonderful God. His understanding is beyond finding out. But now... Isaiah concludes this extraordinary passage uh, in verses 29 to 31. And I've called this, What God Does for Those Who Know Him. Isaiah says that God is a gracious God and He doesn't treat us as if we're people far away. He doesn't treat us as servants. He treats us as sons and daughters because he has a personal relationship with us. He gives strength to the weary. And even those who are used grow tired and weary. And young men stumble and fall. 
But those who hope in the Lord, those who know me, those who trust me, those who've had experience of who I am, they're the ones that I'm going to do these things for. And what he promises is that he'll be our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And remember that other lovely uh, psalm passage, underneath are the everlasting arms. He's always here for us. And he cares about every single experience we have. There was a great servant of God, Elijah. And Elijah, after the great climax of his ministry on top of Mount Carmel, where the prophets of Baal and all their hangers-on were destroyed, and God spoke by fire, and the fire burnt up the offering and the stones and the wood and licked up the fire in the trough around it that Elijah presented. But then, just a short time later, after the rain began to fall, he got a message from the wicked queen Jezebel who promised to kill him. And Elijah fled. He fled south for day after day. God helped him. God was with him. He didn't know that. He was in deep depression. Dear ones, every Christian can fall into a deep depression at the worst time. We're only human. And sometimes God allows us to experience trials that are far beyond what we can possibly cope with. And Elijah certainly was in that situation. And yet, God revealed himself again to Elijah in that still, small voice that Elijah heard. And Elijah's ministry was restored. His strength was restored. He went back and continued what God had given him to do. Verse 31 says, Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And God says to us, when you know me, there's nothing I won't do to protect you, to guide you, to restore you, to refresh you, to strengthen you, to empower you, to build you up. Regardless of what age you're at, even when you're old and grey, I'll still be the same faithful God I've always been. Because you put your hope in me, you can have a relationship with me that will last from now right through to eternity. Dear ones, our Lord Jesus Christ has opened the way so that you and I can have a relationship with Almighty God. And all these promises that I've read out here from Isaiah 40, just from 25 to 31, are but a drop in the bucket of all the promises that God gives us Because we know him, he loves us as his beloved and beautiful children. May the Lord bless you now and always as you seek him and respond to him reaching out to you. God bless you.